welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. All right, well, good morning, everyone. My name's Jules, and um, you've just watched a, a clip from the Bible Project. Thanks for that. Um, who's aware of the Bible Project YouTube channel? Okay, quite a few people. If you're, if you're one of those people like me who reads the Bible and you sometimes you're like, I don't know what's going on there, Bible Project is a great free resource which you might want to um, dip into to help you kind of get your head around what's going on in this remarkably big and complicated book. So yeah, my name's Jules Burt. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I work here in the high school uh, teaching in the Beliefs and Values Department and we get the absolute privilege of helping young people think about their lives. Um, what's life about? Uh, who are they? How relevant is Jesus to all these sort of big questions of life? It's a really cool uh, place to work. <coughs> and part of what we do is look at the Bible. And uh, I've got a quote Mike's just going to put up on the screen from a guy called Richard Foster. He says this, God in sovereign grace and outrageous love has given us a written revelation of who he is and what his purposes are for humanity. God has chosen to accomplish this great work through his people on earth. This written revelation now resides as a massive fact at the heart of human history. There is simply no book that is remotely close to achieving the significance and influence of the Bible. It is truly the book. What's he getting at? Well, he seems to be making some big claims for this Bible. And I want us just to ponder that for a second. Is this true? Is it true? Like, just, just for a second, I know it's a full-on way to start a talk, but if this is true, if there's a God, and if this God has given us a written revelation of who he is and what his purposes are, then what we're doing here is really, really, really quite very important, I think. And we're doing a series at the moment on reading scripture. Brian kicked it off last week. If you were here, you would have heard him. Part of his sermon was talking about the importance of interpreting what we read because scripture can obviously be a life-giving thing, but it can also be twisted and it can also be used in harmful ways. And if you know anything about history, uh, you, you realize that that's definitely what has happened in certain times. But my topic for today is reading scripture slow reading scripture slowly and in some ways what I want to say today can be summed up in the contrast between two words number one ingestion and number two digestion ingestion when we ingest something we get it in when we digest something we get the nutrients and the goodness out of it into our system and we actually benefit from it when we digest some food not just when we ingest it. So when we take that idea over to thinking about Scripture, it's dead easy nowadays to ingest Scripture. It is dead easy. We've got copies of the... I don't know, I was looking around our house the other day, and I think I saw four Bibles just sitting around. <clears throat> and I think they were all mine. <laughs> and it's like, we've got enough of these things. We've got them in English. <clears throat> and uh, we've got... I've got a... A thing in my pocket which will literally, I can read, someone can read the Bible to me uh, while I'm brushing my teeth and I can even change the accent and the translation, you know, I've got all that. That ingesting scripture is dead easy. You can listen to a podcast, 
If you're not into that, you can turn up as a service and someone will probably read it to you. Ingestion is dead easy and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, digestion. Once upon a time, I went to Cambodia and made a critical error of judgment in that I ordered a, an iced coffee from the corner store. Uh, and I had no idea about the milk or the ice and where all that had been. And I discovered that it is entirely possible for food to go into the system, not be processed and come out of the system very quickly. And uh, it's, it's true. It, it can happen. And it can happen with the Bible. And biblical diarrhea happens when Bible comes in and goes out without being processed. It becomes of no benefit to the person who ingests it. And so that's what I kind of want to talk about. And as you saw on the screen from the little video, meditation is the way that we digest Scripture. We get it in, that's reading it, yep, or hearing it, and through meditation we digest it. And uh, this is a, the word meditation is a loaded one. Often people will associate it with mindfulness and those sort of practices. But biblical meditation is very different. It's not about emptying your mind so much as it is about filling your mind. Apparently the Hebrew word for um, meditate can be used to describe a dog with a bone. A, a dog gnawing and licking a bone. That word can be used to say meditate. So we're not talking about sitting still and emptying your mind. When we're talking about meditating, we're talking about an active, passionate, intelligent engagement with the Bible. It's an intense process. And for me, when I think about um, meditation, the easiest way I know to, uh, to help people meditate on Scripture, and for me personally, has been simply to, to memorise Scripture. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus gets into an argument with a bunch of people, and what comes out of him? Scripture. Jesus is teaching his disciples about life in the kingdom. How do you live this life with God? And what comes out of him? Scripture. Jesus is tempted by the devil, and we read that early on in his ministry. What comes out of him? It's scripture. Jesus is inventing parables to kind of teach people about what life with God is like. What shapes his very parables is Scripture. Jesus is dying on the cross. What does he say? He prays Scripture. It just comes out of him. And I guess the point there is, if it's coming out of him, it's got to have been in him. Now, at this point, I think, this might sound very weird to you, but I think jazz has got a lot to teach us about following Jesus. So I'd like to invite Jaden to come up on the stage. Jaden is uh, Jaden Blockley. He's an ex-Cary student and uh, a top guy. He's just won an award for being a top guy. Is that what it was for? Apparently, I'm not, not really too sure. Yeah, no, he won, he won, an, uh, won an award recently about, uh, for being a, a fantastic musician. And um, one of the things which jazz musicians do is a, a process called transcription. Okay, so this is like a metaphor, okay? This is a 
an embodied metaphor. Jaden's going to demonstrate for us a metaphor, and we're going to hopefully be able to make the connection between jazz saxophone and meditating on scripture. Okay, so over to you, Jaden. He's going to give us a bit of a demo. Hi, everyone. Um, so, um, where should I start? Well, I guess um, the reason transcription is important in jazz is because it is a form of digestion, I guess, because um, in jazz you improvise, um, and so you need sort of a bank of sounds that you can draw upon when you're improvising. So it kind of needs to be digested because it needs to come out in the moment. So there's sort of two steps to this. Um, there's getting it in your ear, sort of being able to hear different phrases, and then there's the process of then that becoming muscle memory. So as soon as you hear something in your head, you're being able to play it instantly on your instrument, whatever that instrument is. So I guess um, the first step for getting it in your ear is listening to um, the solo a lot or listening to whatever musical phrase you're trying to get um, lots and lots of times. Um, and yeah, it's, it is a lot of times. Um, and then the second step I would say is to sing it. So you're, you're listening to it and you're singing along with it. And you do that a lot of times until you can sing along with it. Um, so that's sort of the first step. Um, yeah, so lately I've been working on um, a solo that's quite a famous tenor saxophone solo by a saxophone player called Coleman Hawkins. Um, I don't know if we can play it. I'll play maybe the first quarter of it or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'll, I'll maybe play it at the end or something. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so take, give us a phrase um, from that solo that you've been working on and just play it so people can hear the finished product first. Is that cool? The whole just give us a phrase, a, a particular phrase from it. Okay, so there's one little nugget of a... Can we just hear that again? That was beautiful. That was... Oh, lovely, that's cool. Okay, so when, you, when you're listening to the CD or the recording of that, you've obviously heard that and gone, wow, that sounds cool. Yes, that's right. Cool. Now, take us through the process, step by step. How do you go through that? And if you wouldn't mind just showing us how, how you get that into what you just were able to show us. Yeah, so I would, I would go through those first two steps like I mentioned before. I'd listen to it and I'd sing it. And then from there, it's about learning the notes sort of one at a time. So you're, I'm sort of playing the recording and then I hear the first note and I quickly stop it and grab my saxophone and, and work out what that note is. And then... Let's hear it note for note, nice and slow. Can we hear that? Right. No, that's fine, that's fine, yeah. So what, what I'm trying to get at here, folks, is the, the, the level of repetition 
that Jaden goes through. He hasn't even played a note before he's listened to it many, many times. He's sung along with it to make sure he comprehends it. And then finally comes the note-by-note practice, getting it into, as he said, that process of getting into muscle memory. One more time, can we hear, hear that played all the way through? Maybe with a, with a bit more as well? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Jaden. Thank you. That was awesome. Have, if you want to go back, I'll call you back later. Yeah. Wow. Didn't he make that thing sing? That was just beautiful. And you can see there's not a shred of a piece of music, paper music in front of him. He's got it by heart. He's got it. It's gone from the record into his ears, into his memory, into his fingers, and it's, it's a part of him now. And I think that is just a perfect metaphor for what we're trying to do when it comes to Scripture. Another one which is nowhere near as classy, thanks Mike, is a cow. And a a cow will apparently eat grass, chew grass, swallow grass, regurgitate grass, chew it again, swallow, regurgitate and chew in order to digest the Scripture. Okay, it's just that process of repeatedly coming back to it. How many times do we think Jaden would have spent practicing that song, working on the tone, getting the pitch at the right pitch, getting all those subtle little details which I probably completely miss <laughs> uh, with my level of jazz knowledge and whatnot. Uh, that's kind of what we get from this chewing the cud. And by the way, you can go to that um, link if you want to follow along on your phone. So now I just quickly want to go through four reasons why um, meditating on Scripture, memorizing Scripture, um, four, four reasons why we should do it. Uh, and we could pick a whole lot more, but um, we'll, just, we'll stick with these four. So thanks, Mike. The next one with the butterfly. First of all, number one, why memorize Scripture? Number one, to be transformed. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. What we put into our minds affects our lives. And according to Paul, that's how we are transformed. That's how we get changed. That's, how, that's an integral part of the whole redemption process. What we put into our minds transforms us. And so uh, you could probably, I mean, it's kind of abrupt to say this, but no renewing of the mind, no transformation. No intentional cultivating what goes into our mind, no progress in Christ-likeness. So I think that transformation is the first point. Why bother memorizing? Secondly, 
Thanks, Mike. Lord of the Rings fans, sorry, this is Aragorn with the sword. My daughter's very happy because she can see Lord of the Rings. Yes? One of the metaphors for the Christian life in the New Testament is that of warfare, of going into war. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul lists a whole bunch of things which a person can be equipped with as they live out this battle against evil uh, in, in the Christian life. The only offensive thing that he lists is the Word of God, which he calls the sword, the sword of the Spirit. Okay, so if you can imagine, we've all seen those um, movies of people jumping out of the trenches and running towards the other trenches. Imagine, Paul's sort of saying, I imagine this is his point, someone jumping out of the trench and running to the, towards the enemy and realising, oh, I don't have a weapon. Like, that is the picture of the Christian life without the Word of God. At best... You just stay neutral. How do you take ground with the Word of God? We see this in Jesus' temptation. He's tempted at the start of his ministry. And as I said before, what comes out of him? Scripture. How does he fight temptation? With the Word of God, with the written Word of God. He's got it in him and it just comes out of him. Thirdly, why should we meditate? And memorize scripture to program our minds. Now, this one sounds a bit weird, to program our minds. That sounds a bit like you just want us to be brainwashed with the Bible, Jules. Yeah. Yeah, that is spot on. You know, and that, that's an objection that we sometimes face, you know, in, in my classroom. And, you know, we've just had that dedication of little Luca. Like, what, are we saying that you're just going to try and brainwash this kid? Are you just going to try and force this religion on this person? And I think the, the answer to that is we are all having our minds programmed by something. We are all filling our minds with something. There's no neutral ground here. We are all active in some way in having our minds washed through with something and we get the absolute privilege of letting that be the thoughts of God. So, another way of thinking about that is to say that we are all being discipled by someone. We all have a master. There's no neutral ground. Everyone is being discipled by someone. We all have a teacher somewhere. And for a Christian, they've just the person who's decided that, yeah, that's going to be Jesus. And I'm going to let him be my master. I'm going to let him be the one who disciples me. So in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Great biblical image of two animals pulling a plow along together with a, a yoke over the shoulders. Take my yoke. And the word yoke was used to refer to teaching. Take my teaching upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble and you'll find rest for your souls. Why memorize? Why meditate on scripture? So that we might be coming to Jesus and learning from him. So that we might be programming our minds to think the thoughts of God. We are all 
We all have minds that are being washed with something and we get to choose what that's going to be. And fourthly and finally on this section, uh, why meditate and memorize scripture? To be with Jesus. See, there's a whole bunch of people in Jesus' day who spent their life reading the Bible and completely missed the point. They probably had more memorized than any one of us or maybe even all of us together. We're talking like whole books memorized. And Jesus had to really seriously confront these people. He says in John chapter 5, you guys read the scriptures because you think that by them you have eternal life. And then he continued and he said, these are the scriptures that talk about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So there's a way of reading the Bible which completely misses the point. And so I think it's helpful as we think about the Bible to think about it as a rendezvous, as a holy rendezvous, a meeting place. And it's true, we, we, it functions as that for our community. We meet with each other around the Word. We meet with Jesus around the Word. Scripture as rendezvous. So four things. Why bother doing this? One, for the transformation of our own lives. Two, so that we'll actually have a weapon in this battle that we're kind of living in. Thirdly, so that we will choose what we are programming our minds with. And fourthly, it's a fantastic way to be with Jesus. Eugene Peterson, thanks Mike, says this. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. I think that is brilliant. I love that idea of metabolizing Scripture. We're not just trying to read it, we're trying to get it in us in such a way that it starts to form us and starts to come out of us. So how do we do this? This is where we get really practical, and I'm just going to zoom through this because it's dead boring. Concentration, repetition, and understanding. Three keys. If you're going to memorize scripture, you need to be able to concentrate, turn the phone off, leave it in another room, have a quiet place where you can just be there and concentrate. Secondly, repetition, as Jaden was saying with learning a jazz musical song, you need to repeat it over and over and over and over. Now, our culture tends to hate the idea of learning something by rote with repetition, but, you know, if we were to ask Jaden how many times he's played a C major scale, he's probably not going to say once. And if you had a bodybuilder or a, anyone who's done any weights, they don't just do one rep. They do lots of reps in order to get the benefit from it. So repetition is important and so is understanding. And, you know, we've got, you can always call up a pastor and if you're stuck on something. I think Pete would probably be over the moon if you called him up and said, hey, Pete, I'm uh, memorising a chapter of scripture and I just don't get it. Could we have a coffee and maybe you could help me understand? Would that be a cool phone call? Absolutely, cool. So understanding, or I've mentioned already another resource is the Bible Project YouTube channel. Fantastic free online resource. 
Mike, let's go to the next one, please. Here's a thing that I found online which helps me to memorise. You might find it helps. You can do a verse with this. You can do a passage. You can do a whole book with this method. First of all, you start off your little session by saying the parts that you've already got out loud. Just once. Just go through it once. Just straight through. And then you go to the new section where you add a new part to your repertoire and you read the new verse or sentence out loud ten times. Off the page, looking at it, reading it out loud. Hearing it helps. It really helps. Saying it with your mouth, involving your body, helps it to get in you. Say it out loud. Uh, th the next one is to say it out loud ten times, peaking only if you need to. Like some sentences are really complex, and you, well, for me anyway, and I have to look at it again. Um, so you, you, you read it out loud, you say it out loud, and then the final step is you just repeat the old stuff with the new bit that you got from that day. Uh, and then you just take your new verse with you uh, wherever you go. So you're in the car and you've got the choice, am I going to flick the radio on or am I going to practice the verse that I got today? You spend a bit of time chewing on that. You have a drinks break and you go and... You practice the new verse. You have a toilet break and you practice the new verse. You're walking between classes and you're practicing the new verse. You're taking it with you. You're meditating on it. You're, you're really chewing on it. So does that make sense? Is that, I mean, that might be full on for us to think about, but it works. It's a helpful way that you can, if you want to do this, you, that, that's a great method. So first steps, if we could go to the next one. Thanks, Mike. I reckon Psalm 1, we've begun looking at that. Psalm 23 in the Lord's Prayer, I think everyone should just get those tucked away in your heart. I think they are just beautiful, beautiful passages which we should all know by heart. And then beyond that, I reckon Colossians 3, 1 to 17 is something that uh, everyone should, should, should do. If you can find a better picture of life with God than Colossians 3, 1 to 17, uh, let me know because... Uh, I, I once did a retreat and the person running the retreat said, okay, session one, memorise Colossians, Colossians 3, go. And uh, that was 2008 and I've still got it. It's just become one of those things that has just stuck with me. And it's beautiful. It's a really cool passage. Um, there's some other ones down the bottom there. You might want to, to look, look those up. The idea is that you're picking the, the best of the best. Now, that's... Uh, some people say, how could you say one passage is better than another? Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, some passages are clearer than others. Some passages are more helpful for what we're talking about here than other passages. Um, that's just the way it is in, in my point of view. You also might want to try Brian Harris's um, 15 verses for building a Christian worldview. Uh, he referred to four of these last week. Uh, you can see ones like the creation accounts in Genesis 1 and 2, down through to the Jesus Creed, number 9 there. And on to the next page, please, Mike. These are some other ones that, that he refers to, including Revelation 21, this vision of a new heavens and a new earth. Like what, what sort of, I mean, do you reckon that would do good for your mind to have some of those tucked away? I reckon, I reckon it might. I reckon it might be a really good thing for us. 
Dallas Willard, who was a guy who thought really long and hard about how people change. And he said, I would never pastor a church that did not have a systematic church-wide plan for scripture memorization. Why? Because it forms individual lives and it forms communities. This process of getting the scripture into us in such a way that we digest it and we start to be able to live it out at a deeper level. Now, a few objections. Number one, why bother memorizing it? I've got Google and uh, I've got the app in my pocket with all the Bible in it. And I think the, uh, the, the counter to that one is like a musician saying, why bother transcribing this solo? I've got a Spotify account. You know, what's, it, it doesn't make sense, you know. Or someone saying, but I tried. Next one, please, Mike. And I, I actually suck at memorizing things. And I would say, we've all got a storehouse of movie quotes from, crying out loud, The Simpsons tucked away in our mind or some other random show. We can do it. We do have a memory. It's a function God has given us and we can, we can use it for, for his purposes. Or thirdly, I've tried before, Jules, and now I've forgotten everything. I did this once before and it just stuck for about a week and then it went. And the counter to this one, I would say, is... The point isn't that you can necessarily give every word back word for word. That's not exactly what we're aiming for here. And you don't give up on eating just because you tried it once and now you're hungry. You don't give up on brushing your teeth just because they're dirty again. You know. So same with this memorizing scripture. It's, it can be part of our lifestyle of following Jesus. So the guys are going to come out and we're going to um, lead you in a song in a second. But my challenge for you guys is, have you decided? Have you decided? Is this something you can decide to be the kind of person who has your mind constantly set on God? That's a decision which no one on the planet can make for you. Have you decided to be the kind of person who has their mind set on God? Psalm 16 says that. I've set the Lord before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Have you decided to be that person who has set their mind on the Lord? And lastly, there a question for you all to ponder. What's the one little step you could take? Uh, is there a little step that you can take to begin or to continue this journey of having your mind set on God? Is it like we've been doing with Peter in the service, just trying to get the first three verses of Psalm 1? Maybe you don't have the Lord's Prayer uh, in you yet, uh, and that might be a good first step. Whatever it is, have a think for you, what, do you, what can I do? And then wh who can I share that journey with? And that's enough from me. We're going to sing a song. Jaden has uh, rearranged this old song, and these guys, we've got Jaden... He's multi-talented. Well, they all are. Will on the bass, Sam on the drums, and we've got this old hack coming to play on the guitar. That's me. And uh, we're going to sing a song, so would you stand with us as we sing... What's the song, Jane? Um, we are going to sing Nothing But The Blood. 
glory, glory, yeah. 